This episode of The Significant Others was recorded on the lands of the Yugambe and Wurundjeri people. We would like to pay our respect to Elders past, present and emerging. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. This week's episode of The Review has been sponsored by Cryo Village. At the gateway to Geelong, Ballerine and the Surf Coast region, Cryo Village is the one destination for all your shopping needs to dine, connect and care for your wellbeing. With a wide range of retailers and services, including Kmart, Coles, Woolies, Best and Less, Chemist Warehouse, and many more, Cryo Village is the place to shop. Follow them on Instagram at Cryo Village to keep up to date with what's on, and they look forward to welcoming you to their beautiful centre. Content warning, this episode of The Significant Others contains discussions around miscarriage and pregnancy loss. Hey Marty, how's it going? It is good, Hester. It is a good time for me. <laughs> it is a good time for you. Woo-hoo. Oh, it just feels like this whole year and just the schmozzle, I think, that 2020 and football has bought us has kind of been worth it. Oh, that's really nice to hear. I feel like I'm really enjoying it vicariously as well. Like I feel like this is the most connected I've felt to a grand final in ages and I'm just like all about that Geelong vibe. Yeah, I can't believe it's like actually happening in here. Pat and I sort of had a chuckle to each other that like, I mean, obviously you know, it was well well reported that he is here to win a premiership. He wants to win a premiership. It comes up all the time. But like that's what he's been doing for as long as I've known him for 12 or 13 years or something ridiculous. So it's so exciting to be here and to be experiencing this, albeit a different way to what I guess traditionally this week would look like. Yeah. But how's the vibe? You're in Victoria. What's going on? There's definitely lots of Richmond vibes going around. There was the announcement this week that you can't have a Barbie and watch the game this year, but you can still watch the game. So that's awesome. And I think you can still feel the excitement. You know, it's funny even just driving in the car and you can hear all the ads for like the official party of the football and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and um, there's lots of Richmond beanies out and you know, my local cafe shop is covered in yellow and black balloons. And, yeah, like you can really feel the excitement, I think. A bit different up there. It is different up here. I did call my sister back in Geelong and she said, you know, the whole town is just blue and white again and the flags are all out and stuff. So it's so great to hear that everyone still feels really connected and is still behind, you know, their team. But yeah, it's a bit different up here. I think last week when we played Brisbane, you could see lots of scarves about and like I was out walking with Pat. We were just walking down the street with the kids in the pram and someone was tooting him and yelled out the window go lion. So it's it's not like that this week. I think they're a little bit somber, but I'm really hoping that all of Brisbane gets on the cat's bandwagon. (laughs) It's hopeful, mate. (laughs) But who knows? I feel like there's a bit of, I feel like there's going to be a bit of Geelong bandwagon just with Richmond having a few up their sleeve in very recent years. Yeah. Although it is like a bit of a grand final of very successful Victorian team. Yeah, it's the week for it, isn't it? The Vixens got up. So amazing. Oh, just what a game too. How good is netball? Yeah. And I loved to, I loved to be able to watch that from my couch and, you know, there was lots of talk about how they were doing it for Victoria and it was such an exciting game and such a huge win and it really did feel quite unifying and I really got that, you know, that that real positive feeling that sport can give you. Mm, as you said, yeah, it unifies everyone and at the end of the day there's bigger pictures sometimes and we all do need to be on the same team sometimes. Having said that, I wonder how the rest of the country feels. 
<laughs> sometimes because I know that, you know, footy and AFL, obviously Victoria is a football state and I <laughs> wonder whether they feel a little bit left out sometimes. But at the moment, I think Victoria does need a lot of extra love. So sending it down your way. Accepting it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and actually on Stick With Footy in Brisbane and the grand final week. Shout out to Lockie Neal for highlighting the sacrifice that his wife made to support his move up to Brisbane and thus supporting the next step and growth of his career and his success that she had to step away from her business, that she was running in Perth. And I think it was another really great example of a wonderful relationship that he took the time to acknowledge his wife, Jules, stepping away from her business. We're acknowledging that sometimes sacrifices are made and compromises are made, but that's a pretty big one. And it was really great that he took that time with his platform to acknowledge her. And she yeah. sounds like an awesome woman. Shout out to Jules for being a legend. It's pretty hard to start a business and it must be really hard to walk away from it too. So you go, Jules. That's at least 60% your Brownlow medal. <laughs> I agree. I agree. She deserves more than half. <laughs> yeah. So, and we had a really great time, I suppose, in a way. It was a fortuitously grand final themed episode of The Significant Others with our interview with Sarah this week, wasn't it? She's kind of great, isn't she? Wow. Yeah. And yes, it did all just come together quite nicely. So, <laughs> So hopefully all the um, good vibes and things like that continue. But she was awesome. I loved just that interview took so many different roads. Mm. <laughs> just like she has. Yeah, yeah. I guess having been like such an, I feel like she's such an independent woman. Mm. She's lived here. She's done this. She's like quite confident. But also then it was like, well, she's conscious that this is her family unit and mm. what it means to her and to move and to be agile and I think you know, a lot of the things that are her strengths around being flexible and adaptable have probably held her in really good stead for 2020. Absolutely. But also a really common theme of something that I found myself talking just privately as well off um, after we recorded with Sarah was around her being a really strong leader and I just think yeah obviously her husband is a leader in his field of work too so I just kind of wanted to keep unpicking that a little bit with her as well. I love how she highlighted being a leader sort of in a non-traditional sense, if I can say so as well. You know, she sort of talked mm. about the power of socially connecting people and inclusion, which I think are most definitely strong leadership qualities, but often we overlook them for the more uh, traditionally dominant ones. But you know, it's so fantastic to recognize that as really strong leadership. And she really, she really came across as a strong leader to me and sounds like she, mm. is somebody who knows how to make everybody feel like they're a part of the team. That's it. No man, woman or child, no one is left behind when Sarah's around. She's just, as you said, very inclusive, but she did talk about quite a variety of topics. And I guess that's life. Well, I guess one that struck us, Hester, was when she spoke about needing to include and engage more men and non-birthing partners in the discussions of pregnancy loss and miscarriage. Yeah, absolutely. We thought she did um, such an amazing job of highlighting the fact that we often don't make space for the partner that hasn't given birth to share their story or share their emotions, their, their heartache and their growth when it comes to miscarriage and pregnancy loss and of course of course of course of course the partner that is carrying the baby you know what they go through is a different experience and it's this physical experience that you probably will never understand if you don't go through it but there's also the other side of that and that's being a support person for that person but also you know being that parent 
who's lost a child. And we loved what Sarah said about giving men more responsibility but also more space in this conversation. So what we have next for you is something a little bit different um, that we haven't really done on the significant others before, but you'll hear from some of our significant others, the significant others of pregnancy loss and miscarriage, and they are going to tell their stories of fatherhood and what that's meant to them. We've got some audio of Ben Brown, Levi Casbolt and Michael Hartley sharing their stories with you. So we want to thank those fathers and we also want to thank Haley and Tegan for sharing their stories vicariously too and thank them for their bravery and hopefully this will be something special and we're really proud of them. You are listening to the Significant Others podcast. I suppose when I think about it, our own vanishing twin experience, it's with mixed emotions and it's probably always been with mixed emotions right from the moment we found out that we had had a second child and that hadn't progressed quite early in the pregnancy. I suppose you feel you're only ever expecting to see one one child on that scan and so in that sense you're you're really excited and you're really thankful that you've got the opportunity to you know you've got one very healthy young child but you do think as well about what could have been and you know how life would have been different and changed if you'd ended up having the the second twin as well and that's probably something that I've given a little bit of thought to in the last few months since since finding out our news you know it it is it is difficult we've progressed with obviously preparing for the the birth of our our second child and I'm really really excited about that and I think I've come to terms with in a lot of ways what our vanished twin I suppose you know what happened there and I do feel at peace with it to an extent but I think there is always a part of me that will wonder you know what if and for me that child will always be my child I know that we lost that bubble pretty early on but I think it does become real when you do give it some thought so you know that that child will always be my child and I'll always be in my mind a father of three in a way and they'll always be with me and I think that for me is just how I've dealt with that situation firstly i just want to say thank you to hester and marty it's quite often that men get left out when it comes to the grieving process of miscarriage we had our miscarriage around the 10 or 11 week mark it was a combination of Haley's ecg levels rising perfectly and an inadequate ultrasound which meant we thought everything was okay when in fact it was a live ectopic Haley was adamant something was wrong despite doctors reassuring us that they were right until one night she was in excruciating pain and we got the news we weren't hoping for. I was at work at the time. That's how naive we were. Haley went to the appointment, just her and the two boys. We didn't really think anything was wrong. She, we just thought it was a routine checkup. Yeah, she called me. It was tough. Initially, like we just were sad. Um, we were sad that we thought we were pregnant and we weren't. But then all of a sudden you're thrown into Haley getting surgery to remove it. And then 
obviously losing a tube as well so then like that affecting our chances of getting pregnant pregnant in the future but then once all of that kind of settled down and I guess we got back into normal routine of life I guess I struggled to deal with guilt of feeling sad for losing a baby when I already had two kids I already had two healthy boys who we love and um, so I felt blessed that we already had the opportunity to have kids when so many people around us um, in our friendship circles were struggling just to have one kid. So I, f- I felt really guilty for feeling sad about losing a kid when I felt like I, I didn't have the right because other people didn't even have a kid yet. That was probably the hardest thing I found dealing with it was the guilt of not being allowed to be sad. Probably the best thing to be able to move on was we thought we weren't going to have a kid for a while after that and then we just thought if it happens it happens and it happened pretty quick and 12 months later we welcomed our our little angel Goldie and like it doesn't make the pain go away of losing a child you kind of think you think about who they could have been and if it was a boy if it was a girl but obviously we wouldn't change Goldie for the world and we love her we love our boys and we are like we're very blessed to have the family we've got but yeah, it's definitely it's a I guess a lot is talked about the women, which rightly so, because they're they're the ones who physically bear it and so then they bear that loss on their body. But yeah, definitely emotionally for men it's something that I, I know I struggled to deal with, but I think it's definitely helped me grow as a person through the process. We'll always love them, they'll always be a part of our family. But, you know, we are we are very blessed to have what we have. Yeah, so obviously it was a very quick and um, emotional experience for us. We, we found out we were pregnant and, like, over the moon with excitement and it was just the best thing that's ever happened to us. It was outstanding. And then we sort of went and told family members it was... That was awesome. Uh, my, my parents and, and Teague's parents, uh, they were so wrapped for us and... We were, we were just so happy. Around a week later, we sort of had to get the ultrasound and, and, and check it all out, obviously. And unfortunately, I wasn't able to go with Teve, but she went and that's when they uh, unfortunately told us the news that the baby's heart had stopped beating, which was absolutely shattering. Uh, I was I was heartbroken for fatigues because she was just so excited and we were, we, were like, we were both so excited for this sort of journey we were going to go on. And unfortunately, it was, it was gone in an instant. So that was... Uh, absolutely devastating for us and then having obviously having to tell the family like that was so difficult I, I bawled my eyes out and so did Teagues and it was just so heartbreaking to tell them that we, at first we were having the baby and then a week later that unfortunately was gone so that was extremely tough to do in saying that like we were pretty young at the time I think we were just a bit naive to the fact that miscarriages happen quite a fair bit like it's pretty um it's pretty common, and I not I've never I never really dealt with babies or done anything like that before, and I didn't realise how common it is. And talking to uh, someone I, I was working with at the time, they they had a th- three um, miscarriages, and now they've got like four kids. So they I didn't realise how often it does happen. So that was that was news to me. But um, Looking back at it now, like a few years obviously have passed. It's, it's been a few years and I think it all happens for a reason. We unfortunately lost lost the baby, but we, we now have two uh, wonderful, energetic, crazy uh, crazy kids. We've got a, a little two-and-a-bit-year-old daughter named Adeline and we just had our, our son named Fred. So obviously, yeah, extremely happy at the moment. We're, we're going great guns, but I will, uh, I will never forget our first, that's for sure. 
Thank you for listening to the Significant Others podcast. If you have any suggestions of guests you'd like us to interview, please let us know and come follow us on Instagram at the Significant Others podcast. 